And listen, a lot of us go through lives and spend a lot of years not knowing why we are here. I get asked that question a lot of times, and I've asked that question a lot of times. Why, what is the point of my life? What is my purpose? Why have I been created? Well, guys, the Bible is clear from cover to cover. God's point in creating anyone and everyone is his glory. Hello and welcome to the 7th Hour Podcast. My name is Wes Ayrton and I'm so glad that you joined me today to tackle the giant topic of why God created the world. Now, it is a giant topic, but it is a very simple answer. Uh, this podcast could really be, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, but we will dig a little deeper and we will take a little bit longer uh, in discovering exactly why God created you, me, and the creation that we see around us. But before we get into today's podcast. I do want to let you know about a couple ways that you could support the podcast. Uh, number one is just by simply subscribing, liking the video, uh, ringing the notification bell so that you don't miss out on future episodes. Uh, that would mean the world to me. I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever you're listening or wherever you're watching. Uh, that would be a huge way to support what God is doing right here in the seventh hour. And another way is by going to it's the seventh hour.com. Uh, that's the website. You can check out some merch there. You can uh, support the podcast by buying some really cool merch on the site. Um, so if you haven't been to our website yet, it is fresh. It is brand new. And I, uh, I think it's pretty cool. So go check it out. It's the seventh hour. Dot com. So check out the website, subscribe to the video um, and the podcast. We would love that. Uh, so thank you guys for being here once again. Now, let's dig in to the topic at hand today. I thought what better way to launch a podcast, the absolute first video, the first episode being, of course, about God, right? I did want to dive into the sovereignty of God or I wanted to dive into his character, his nature. But really before we get there, the purpose and the question that so many human beings have had from the beginning of time is why? Why are we here? What is the purpose? Why did God create the world? What was his intentions? And so today we're going to look at several scriptures, a ton of uh, verses in the Bible that clearly paint the picture as to God's intention for creating the world. So. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, in short, guys, it is clear throughout all of scripture that God created uh, the world and everything in it and around it for his glory. That's maybe not new uh, for many of you watching. If you grew up in church, or you grew up around the Christian faith. Uh, you've heard that God created the world for his glory before, I'm sure. But what are really the implications for that? I mean, what does that mean? God speaks uh, through his prophet Isaiah quite a bit in the book of Isaiah and and really um, drives the point home as to why he created the world. In Isaiah 6, 3, it says, the angels declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then in Isaiah 43, verse 6, it says, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Isaiah 60, verse 21, your people shall be righteous, the works of my hand that I might be 
glorified. Isaiah again in 61 verse 3 says that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And lastly, in Isaiah again, 42 verse 8, I am the Lord. This is my name. My glory I will not give to another. So that sounds pretty clear to me as to why God created the world and those who are in it. He created it for his glory, simply for his glory. But let's do this. Let's start in the very beginning. Let's start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, uh, a verse that we've all heard before. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, what is the purpose of an image? Think about that. If, if, if you were to make an image of something, what is the point of that? I mean, I've, 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 spared, I've spent a little bit of my time uh, as an artist um, painting. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I like to draw, I like to paint, I like to create, I like to design. So when you create an image, what is the point of the image? Well, the point of the image is to image, to do just that, to image something. Images are made to display the original. So if I made an image of a, a painting from you know, the 14th century, my image of that would be to accurately portray that image, that original image. The point of an image is to glorify the original. So God making humans in his image is so that we would walk through life and all through history as reflectors of God, that we would bear his image. Now, let's clarify something. We are not gods. We're not little, little miniature versions of God. That's not what that means. But it means that we are reflectors of God to the universe around us, to the creation around us. So this is, this is how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, in the point of walking through life as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as you are moving through your life and letting your light shine to those around you, the point of all of that is so that they may see those good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, 1 Peter 2.12 says it this way, keep your conduct honorable that they may see your good deeds and give glory to God. So again, the reason that we are created in God's image and we move through this life, is to reflect the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 makes it very clear. Whether you eat or drink or in anything that you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's nothing in life that we go about doing that is not with a purpose, and that purpose being God's glory. Philippians 1.11, Paul is praying for the believers in Philippi that they would be, it says here, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God and his praise. To the glory and praise of God. This is what Paul's prayer is for these believers, that they would bear fruits of righteousness, that their life would bring about good fruit in their life, that people would see that, and that fruit recognizing that that fruit didn't come from them, but it came from Christ Jesus to the glory of God. 
So it's clear, the ultimate end, okay, the ultimate desire, the ultimate purpose for God in creating the world and everything that we see is his glory. I mean, we see that in the Psalms where it says the heavens declare the glory of God. So not only in heaven, but also on earth, the purpose is God's glory. And it doesn't stop at creation. God's glory is why he does everything that he does in governing the universe. So not only in just the creation itself, not only did he create us in his own image for his glory, not only did he create the trees and the mountains and the sky and the clouds and the rain and every flower and every plant and every creature for his glory, but it's why he does everything that he does throughout all of history. And Jesus himself came to this earth to make reconciliation for the glory of God. He himself sought the glory of God in his final hours. John uh, chapter 12, verse 27 through 28, it says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is right before he knows that he's going to the cross. And then he says this, But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, which is pretty awesome that says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. I mean, how amazing is that? Even Christ here on earth, God in the flesh is having a moment where there is a thought of, man, this, this, this cross is, is going to be the ultimate suffering. He knew what that cross would be. He knew the wrath that would come. And he said, well, what should I say? Take this, take this from me. Find another way, God. Can, can we do this another way? But ultimately, he set that at the feet of the Father and said, no, glorify yourself in me. Then again, in John 17, 1, he's praying. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son, that the son may glorify you. So God's glory is God's aim in creating the world, and God's glory is God's aim in sending his son. And it's not just that. And God's glory is why he saved sinners like you and me. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, God says, I am he who blots out transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, it says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. God's grace was not an afterthought in response to the fall of man. It wasn't the, um, the backpedaling or the figuring out the plan B for when things went wrong in the garden. It was the plan. It was the plan from the very beginning so that his grace would be the apex of his glory. He planned the world and the history of mankind to the glory of his grace. Paul says it again in 2 Timothy 1.9 this way, God called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Isn't it breathtaking to know that God's plan for all of eternity was the glory of his grace? That before creation, before anything was, God's plan was the glory of his grace. 
before anything was made. Here is a verse that absolutely blows my mind. It's, it's, it's one of the most incredible verses in all of scripture, in my opinion. And it's in Revelation 13, 8. And here's what's, what's going on. God is talking about the, the last days. He's talking about the beast on the earth. And he says in verse 8, everyone will worship the beast whose name has not been written before the foundations of the world in the book of the life of the lamb who was slain. Just think about that. Before creation, there was a book and it was called the book of the life of the lamb that was slain. The plan was glory from the very beginning. The plan was grace from the very beginning. The plan was Jesus Christ crucified from the very beginning. The plan was the gospel from the very beginning. Before the beginning of the world, before anything was made, before one molecule was breathed out of the mouth of God into existence, there was a plan, and that plan was the glory of his grace through the crucified lamb. That's just incredible. I mean, it's amazing to think about a book that was written and names that are written in this book. You've heard about the Lamb's Book of Life, right? Well, this is the book we're talking about. Your name must be written in the book of of Lamb's Book of Life to enter into eternal life. We've all heard that from being a young child in church. But think about that book being written before the world was made. The plan has always been God's glorious grace and his glory on display through all of eternity. And God's glory doesn't end there. God's glory is his aim, even in displaying his wrath upon mankind. In Romans 9, verse 22 and 23, it says, Desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, God has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order, in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. I mean, even in his wrath toward those vessels of destruction, it's all about his glory. God's glory is endless and it's what he is all about in every aspect of life. There are countless more scriptures in all of the Bible that declare the intention of God in creating the world and not just the world, but all of creation And it is to make known his glory for it to be known and savored and treasured. So now that we know why God created the world and more specifically why he created us, what does it mean for us to bring him glory? If that is why we are created, if that is the point of our lives, and listen, a lot of us go through lives and spend a lot of years not knowing why we are here. I get asked that question a lot of times, and I've asked that question a lot of times. Why, what is the point of my life? What is my purpose? Why have I been created? Well, guys, the Bible is clear from cover to cover. God's point in creating anyone and everyone is his glory. So if I could go about doing anything the rest of my life, every day, every second, it should be patterning and and forming my life around one reality, and that is I am here to bring God glory. 
So in my job, I'm doing it to bring God glory. In the the um, the music that I listen to, I'm doing it to bring Him glory. In the shows that I watch on TV, I'm doing that to bring Him glory. In the relationships that I have with other people, I want those to bring God glory. In my thoughts, in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, in every part of me, I want it to glorify God. If that is why we are here, and that is my purpose and your purpose, then that is what we should be going about doing. So what does that look like? What does that mean? to bring God glory. Well, let's start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we make God more glorious. God is already supreme. He is already ultimately and completely glorious. In himself, he needs nothing. He is self-sustaining and self-sufficient. He needs nothing to bring him glory. We cannot possibly, with anything that we do, bring more glory to God. What it means to glorify God is to see and to savor and to reflect his glory to the world, to cherish it and treasure it inside our hearts. And for that seeing and savoring and treasuring in our hearts of God's glory, it comes out and overflows in us to those who are around us. I love this quote by John Piper. God is glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that is, that is the truth. And that is how you live your life. And that is bringing glory to God at its very core. It's a very simple thing, but it is, it has taken me 40 years of my life to figure out what that is. It's incredible. Once you find it, once you find that purpose and it shapes everything that you do, but so many people walk through life, finding their satisfaction in everything else, but God. And so God is not glorified in them. And I was one of them for 40 years. I spent most of my life, I've spent the majority of my life trying to satisfy myself with myself and with other things around me, everything but God. But the truth is that God gets the utmost glory in our lives when he is our treasure and he is glorified in us and our lives And also in the eyes of those who are around us when they see that he is truly our treasure. That was God's purpose for Israel in the very beginning. To bring about a people group and create a people group that would proclaim his goodness to the world. And it wasn't a go and tell situation like our call is today. It was a come and see experience for the nations around Israel. I'm going to make Israel great for my glory so that when the other nations around the world look at Israel, they see the glory of God. And the, the, the ultimate mission of God has not changed since then. It was true for Israel now, and it's true for us today as the body of Christ, as the church to proclaim the excellencies of God, as 1 Peter 2, 7 says. So God's glory is the purpose of creation. God's glory is the purpose of redeeming creation. And God's glory is the purpose for us who have been redeemed to live our lives. Have you ever noticed this about Romans 3 verse 23, where it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? You know, a lot of people use that verse as just a a pointer to the fact that we're all sinners. Oh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you notice what Paul does there? He pairs together falling short of the glory of God 
and sin. It's like those two go together. When we fall short of glorifying God in our lives, that is sin. And when we are maximizing God's glory in our lives and reflecting it and showing it to the world and we are living our lives for his glory, that is a life free from sin. Now let's look at one last text in Romans chapter one that serves as a warning for those who might neglect the glory of God. Let's start in verse 21. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Paul is talking about a real group of people who knew God. Let's not be confused. These people didn't wander around lost with no idea who God was. It says earlier in the text that God made himself known to them. He showed them his power, his divine nature. And he says that ultimately they have no excuse. So Paul's talking about a people who really knew God. And yet in walking through life, walking along in this life, they fell victim to the enticements of the flesh. The desires of this world crept in and distracted them from the glory of God. And they became their own gods. They worshiped the creation rather than the creator. And sadly, it says that their hearts were darkened and that God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts. Can you imagine anything more devastating than that? To know God, to know about his glory, to know that we were created for his glory, to know that that is your purpose, and yet we walk through life, and as we go, we might glorify God for a little while, and then the desires of the flesh creep in. The lusts of the heart creep in. And as we begin to entertain those things more and more and more, the glory of God becomes less and less and less in our lives. And we no longer become reflectors of God's glory, but we become reflectors of our own glory and the glory of creation. And God gives you over to the lusts of your heart. Can you think of anything more devastating? My friends, may that never be us. May we never lose sight of the greatness of the glory of God. It is paramount. It is everything. It is the only place to find true satisfaction in this world. I've spent the majority of my life living for my own glory. And praise be to God that he did not give me over to the lusts of my heart and darken my heart that I became a fool and exchanged his glory for mine. Praise be to God for that. It wasn't anything of my own doing. But one day I'm walking along my life, much like Paul was riding on that horse to Damascus, and God knocked me off my horse and showed me his glory, and I was forever changed.
And now my life is a life of self-denial, of self-sacrifice, of giving up yourself for the glory of God. You can't live for the glory of yourself and the glory of God at the same time. You can't live for the glory of your job or your money or your possessions or your relationships and at the same time live for the glory of God. You cannot. There was a moment in Mark chapter 8 where Peter is starting to think about the things of this world as opposed to thinking about the glory of God. And Jesus rebukes him, and then he goes on to say to the group that was around them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? See, there's a danger that comes for every single one of us. It'll come for you today and it'll come for you tomorrow and every day until eternity. And that danger is this, to put yourself as the glory taker, to go about your life for your glory instead of the glory of God, to sacrifice the glory of God for your own or for the things of this world, to worship the creation rather than the creator. And that is not why God created the world. That is not why he created you. We were created for his glory. And so let me leave you with just a few questions to ponder this week. Number one, is the glory of God your ultimate treasure? Is it what you value most? Is it what you're consumed with? Is it what you want to spend every moment of every day doing? Bringing glory to God. Or is your ultimate treasure your career, your relationships, your, your wife, your marriage, your children, your money, your possessions? What is your ultimate treasure? Is it God's glory? The second question to think about is, is the glory of his grace the sweetest news, the best news for your sinful soul? When you hear that before there was anything, there was a book and it was called the life of the lamb that was slain. Is that good news to you? Because it's not good news if there wasn't. If our salvation is up to us, if our right standing with God is based on our actions or our works or our effort, if my salvation was left to me, that's not good news at all. It's terrible news because I will lose it. It's terrible news because in a salvation that is based on you and your works leaves you getting the glory. But the truth is that we have been saved for the glory of of his grace. It is a gift so that no man may boast, but to proclaim the glory of God in that redemption. Is that good news for your sinful soul? Lastly, is the glory of God the ultimate aim of your every day? Is that what you live for? 
whether you eat or drink or anything you do, do you do it for the glory of God? Because folks, the truth is it is a daily thing. It takes a daily remembrance and more so a daily surrendering to the glory of God. We must start every day with a simple prayer, the prayer that Jesus outlines for us. And he says, when you pray, pray like this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a daily surrendering, submission to the glory of God. I'm not going to live my life for myself, God. Hallowed be your name, not hallowed be my name, not great be my name, but great be your name in my life. Your will be done, not my will. I'm not going to go out today on this Monday and live this day for my glory. I want to live it for yours. May your kingdom come. It's a daily surrendering. It's a daily crucifying of your own self. Otherwise, the cares of this world, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes will creep in closer and closer and closer until your heart is darkened and there is no more living for the glory of God. May it never be so, my friends. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives as it is in heaven, Lord God. Would you help us every day by the power of your Holy Spirit to crucify our flesh and surrender to the glory of God? Lord, would you use us in the light that shines forth that others would see to bring glory to your name? Lord God, would we be your vessels, your instruments of displaying your glory. Praise your name for creating us in your image, Lord God. May we be proper image bearers. May we reflect your glory to those around us every single day. And most importantly, would your glory shine within us to where it is all that we want that it is all that satisfies, Lord God, that when we feel moments in our lives of dissatisfaction or discomfort, Lord God, that we run to your glory, that we look upon your glory, Lord God, and it shines through our darkness and through the hearts of our soul, Lord God, and it radiates your glory within us to where we feel whole again, where we feel in our purpose and in your purpose for creating us, Lord God. Lord, we give you the praise and the honor and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the 7th Hour Podcast. My name is Wes Ireton. May you go in his peace and for his glory.